Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpackers, and welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 84. Who pays for the violence and insanity? Obviously, we can't show you where all the money comes from for Black Lives Matter and Antifa because we don't have intelligence and law enforcement resources. That doesn't mean we can't expose some pretty shocking sources for the money that fuels the violence intended to take down the Catholic Church in the United States of America. I want to make it real clear that the cantankerous Catholic is not part of the news media. I'm classified as an opinion and entertainment medium, even though I'm a thousand times more honest than 99% of the news media. As an honest purveyor of opinions and entertainment, there are a few things I insist on saying in this episode that'll make thousands of liberal heads explode. I hope they do. Actually, I hope they explode with such force that the stump of a neck that's left after the explosion emits radiation for decades. I actually try to drive liberals more deeply into madness with doses of reality. The catalyst for everything going on in America is this so-called pandemic. The dishonest media referred to it as COVID-19, the coronavirus, and even the Trump virus. I'm not going to do that. I'm either going to call it the China virus or the Wuhan virus. Why? Well, the media says we're xenophobic, whatever the hell that is. I mean, xenophobic is a word I never heard of until everyone got woke, and I've got a pretty good education. But China and Wuhan more accurately describe the origin of the virus that the communist Chinese unleashed on America on purpose because I don't find it possible to believe in coincidences. After all, the Chinese communist regime is also sending unsolicited packets of seed and soil to Americans, and that's just weeks after they announced that a second virus is headed our way. But that's another episode for later. Bottom line, I'm twisting the proverbial knife into the gut of the woke media by calling it the China or Wuhan virus. Another thing that'll perhaps cause massive explosions among horrified woke heads is that I absolutely refuse to call Antifa and Black Lives Matter protesters. They aren't protesters. They're violent rioters, Marxists, fascists, thugs, arsonists, domestic terrorists, and enemies of the United States of America. But they're not protesters. Unlike the woke media, I may get excited and call them things like animals, subhumans, pond scum, horse feces, or even refer to them as the miscreants and malcontents that they are, but I refuse to call them protesters. I'm also subject to say even less complimentary things about people and groups involved in funding Antifa and Black Lives Matter, but I won't tell you about them now, because that would spoil the surprise. Come to think of it, you might not be too surprised to find out who's financially backing these anti-American thugs. 
I've been sharing the faith with people for over 30 years. The Holy Spirit has used me to make hundreds of converts and 84 of them are my adult godchildren. When the Holy Spirit works through us in a big way, He usually uses the talents given to us before we were even born. When we develop those talents for Him, we're often impelled to pass on to others what we've done and how we've done it for the greater glory of God. That's why I wrote the Lay Evangelist Handbook. You might say the Lay Evangelist Handbook was 30 years in the making, because in this book I share with you all the best that I've learned about how to share the faith with laps and non-Catholics so you can bring your friends and family to the fullness of divinely revealed truth. The very first chapter gives you a thorough explanation of the things you need to do to maximize your effectiveness so you won't end up with egg on your face when trying to engage people. I explain the differences between the various types of lay evangelists and others you can learn from. I even talk about some statistics that should help give you a real sense of urgency for sharing the faith. Then I get to the step-by-step process for sharing the faith. I give a full presentation of the exact text I've used and refined for 30 years. I tell you what to do, what to say, and how to do and say it, while leaving room for you to work in your own personality and make these techniques your own. There's no other book like this on the market. So get your print or ebook copy of the Lay Evangelist Handbook today. It's available in print on cantankerouscatholic.com or in print and ebook on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Okay, so the reason you tuned into this episode is so you can find out who one of the biggest financiers of these evil destructive organizations is. I'm even going to show you some of the faces of the financial backers. If you want to see who the financial backers of Antifa and Black Lives Matter are, then go into your bathroom and look into your mirror. That's right, you are financing these thugs. The Catholic Campaign for Human Development, or CCHD for short, takes up an annual parish collection every November, and I hope to show you why you should never contribute to it. I haven't given a dime for years, and hell's going to freeze over before I give another penny. According to the USCCB website, the Catholic Campaign for Human Development is the domestic anti-poverty social justice program of the U.S. Catholic bishops. Its mission is to address the root causes of poverty in America through promotion and support of community-controlled self-help organizations and through transformative education. In reality, that's a lie. Let's take a look at some of those community-controlled self-help organizations and their idea of transformative education. First, I want to give credit where credit is due. Most of what I'm reporting to you in this episode is provided by the Lepanto Institute. They did all the heavy lifting. Major urban areas in the U.S., including the largest three, New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago, bowed to the pressure of the Black Lives Matter and Antifa communist front groups to either abolish or substantially curtail law enforcement in their jurisdictions. Some major metropolitan jurisdictions have begun to completely dismantle their police departments. 
On the way out the door, Minneapolis police disseminated information to the public on how to be a good victim of criminals so they can stay alive. Los Angeles saw a 100% increase in shootings and homicide in the first week of July, following the city's move to defund $150 million from its police force. CCHD grantee People Organized for Westside Renewal granted $60,000 in the last reported grants list played a role in pressuring the city to defund police as is clearly visible in the Facebook post dated June 23rd. There's a link in the show notes. Detroit is also facing a major spike in violence with 29 shot, 4 killed over the Father's Day weekend alone. CCHD grantee Detroit Action Commonwealth, which were granted $55,000 in the last reported grants list, has been vociferous in its demands to defund the police. Detroit Action Commonwealth, also called DAC, joined Black Lives Matter and issued this set of demands. Acknowledgement and accountability for the devaluation and dehumanization of black life at the hands of the police. Radical, sustainable solutions that affirm the prosperity of black lives an end to systemic racism that allows this culture of corruption to go unchecked and our lives to be taken. Oh, brother, you got to be kidding me. A national defunding of police is the last one. Dak also took to social media to rally against the presence of police in schools as seen in a June 15 post on Facebook. Once again, I've got links for this and many other things in here in the show notes. A video conference posted by Dak is full of calls to revolution and is particularly clear at the one-hour, 23-minute mark calling for a dismantling of all the systems and that Dak has always been pushing for the abolition of the police. Chicago is facing one of its worst spikes in violent crime ever recorded, with 15 people killed and 89 wounded just over the Father's Day weekend, and 61 shot and 24 dead earlier in June. The 4th of July weekend saw continued violence with 87 shot and 17 killed, including 7-year-old Natalia Wallace. CCHD grantee Southside Together Organizing for Power, also known as STOP, was granted $30,000 in the last reported grants list. STOP called for defunding the police in general and in schools, held a march of students against the police where they chanted F-12, which is short for F the police, and posted a Black Lives Matter protest on their Facebook page praising looting, which said, Capital and property right now are collateral in the larger political struggle. We should not be feeling in any way that property destruction is violence. Stop held a graduation march of youth protesting the police presence in schools, which was videotaped and posted online. At 53 minutes into the video, the youth are led in chanting F-12, which is a slur aimed at police. Stop posted and endorsed a video of Black Lives Matter protests that included much inflammatory rhetoric, including the excuse for looting found at 2 minutes and 48 seconds that states, 
Capital and property right now are collateral in the larger political struggle. We should not be feeling in any way that property destruction is a violence. Organizing Neighborhoods for Equality Northside, also known as One Northside, is another Chicago-based CCHD grantee. They got $50,000 in the last reported grants list, agitating for defunding the police. One Northside officially endorses defunding the Chicago PD while funding the Black Lives Matter organization and homosexual causes. According to CBS, New York City cut funding to the NYPD by $1 billion and removed its plainclothes division from New York's streets, leading to a sharp increase in violent crime across the city. As a result, June saw a 130% increase in violent crimes from the same time last year, with a total of 205 shootings. Violence against police is also on the rise in New York City. On July 12, a police officer was assaulted and put in a chokehold by a known gang member while bystanders taunted and filmed the injured officer. The cuts to the NYPD budget and the presence was done in response to massive pressure from the revolutionary agitation groups such as the CCDHD-funded NW Bronx Community and Clergy Coalition, which is known as the Community and Clergy Coalition for short, The Community and Clergy Coalition wasn't funded in the last posted grant cycle of 2018-2019 because all the CCHD-funded grantees have to take a year off funding following their third consecutive grant. However, CCHD's Poverty USA grantee map shows the Community and Clergy Coalition is a current grantee, indicating that it's currently receiving funding for the 2019-20 grant cycle. The Community and Clergy Coalition issued a statement on Black Lives Matter June 4th. The statement is an open call to rebellion, rioting, and looting. Statements claiming, quote, we cannot expect it to abide by the standards of law and order, end quote, and, quote, the concerns around property damage, particularly corporate chains that often bring exploitation for low wages, extraction of wealth to far-off investors, and a threat to locally owned businesses, is secondary to the systemic violence perpetrated in our communities, end quote, do not show a call for peaceful protest. They excuse vigilante violence as part of the path to justice. At the same time, the Community and Clergy Coalition calls for the divestment in law enforcement and ICE. The Community and Clergy Coalition also issued multiple calls to defund the police on social media. The Community and Clergy Coalition has a youth project called Sisters and Brothers United or SBU for short. SBU is heavily involved with Black Lives Matter and LGBT agitation, as seen in a Facebook post from June 11th. SBU is also heavily agitating to defund the police and especially remove the police from New York school. SBU also implies the threat of violence unless its demands are met. Another New York City-based CCHD grantee, the Carroll Gardens Association, 
funded with $35,000 in the last published grant cycle, also called for defunding the police. Brand Workers International, yet another New York City CCHD grantee, given $65,000 on the most recent grants list, alluded to socialist revolution as well as defunding the police. The city of Baltimore saw 292 incidents of gun violence in the period between June 5th and July 5th of this year. CCHD Grantee United Workers Association, or UAW, which was granted $75,000 in the last reported grant cycle, is currently calling for the defunding of the Baltimore Police Department. In a Twitter post from June 6, UAW explicitly called for the defunding of police. UAW also posted a brief video from a May 30 protest pressuring the city to defund the police. When George Floyd died, the USCCB fumbled all over itself in rushing to denounce police violence and racism. But when their own grantees engage in behavior that leads to violence and death, the USCCB remains silent. What the Catholic Campaign for Human Development is doing is Marxist, and it's diametrically opposed to the Catholic faith. All Catholics listening to this should refuse to give the CCHD a single damn dime this November. Be well advised that any Catholic who gives money to the CCHD in this year's drive will be complicit in that group's objective mortal sins, as well as knowingly and willfully conspiring to commit treason and insurrection against America. Again, the CCHD is the so-called domestic charitable arm of the USCCB. Rather than work on abolishing poverty as it claims, the CCHD funds group intent on the violent overthrow of the United States of America. All concerned Catholics should contact the Catholic Campaign for Human Development and their local bishop to demand that these organizations be immediately and publicly defunded and blacklisted from all possible future funds. These organizations are actively working to destabilize the United States of America, and they're seriously jeopardizing the lives of police officers and the citizens they protect throughout the country. And if the Bishop's Catholic Campaign for Human Development refuses to publicly condemn these organizations, then it's time for faithful Catholics to demand that their bishops completely sever their dioceses from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development altogether. What the CCHD is funding is nothing short of Marxist revolution, and it knows it. There's no plausible deniability here, and there's no excuse that can possibly be made for Catholic funding to be going to organizations engaged in the behavior we just profiled. For your benefit, I'm including a link to sample letters to your bishop, the bishop chairman of the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, and the CCHD director. Just so you know, I'm not just an agitator urging you to do what I'm not willing to do. I'm writing my Archbishop, the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, and every single member of my parish who's listed in our parish directory. I'm encouraging my fellow parishioners not to give a penny to the Catholic Campaign for Human Development in this fall's appeal. 
I can ill afford to do this, but I can afford a lot less to have to one day stand before Jesus and try to explain why I didn't do it. You may want to consider that too. Learn things about the Catholic faith you never knew in Joe Sixpack's Secrets of the Catholic Faith. There are many essentials to our holy and ancient faith that few modern Catholics know. Those essentials have become, well, secrets, hence the title Secrets of the Catholic Faith. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is always exciting, never boring, and completely politically incorrect. He never shies away from the so-called untouchable moral issues. With his use of humor and directness, readers and students can never get enough of what he teaches. According to Joe, there isn't one single teaching of the Catholic Church that can't be completely demonstrated to an inquiring mind. Everything can be demonstrated. But the Catholic laity aren't being taught these things. They're being fed pablum when they need and want meat. Secrets of the Catholic Faith is actually exciting, and it will make any Catholic's chest swell with pride. So get your copy of Secrets of the Catholic Faith by Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to Unite Wisconsin. Bishop Donald Hying of Madison, Wisconsin, is inviting Catholics to Unite Wisconsin, a patriotic rosary rally, to be held on the solemnity of the Assumption. The event starts with a Eucharistic procession to the Wisconsin State Capitol, followed by benediction and praying the patriotic rosary. That's awesome! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number 4 Hats off to the Daily Caller Catholic Vote called on Joe Biden to condemn a spate of anti-Catholic attacks in recent weeks. Catholic churches across America are literally burning, and Joe Biden has said nothing. Leading members of the Democratic Party have fueled a climate of hate against Catholics, and these attacks have now led to acts of vandalism and violence, Catholic Vote President Brian Birch said. A number of recent attacks include the beheading of a Virgin Mary statue in Tennessee, a man driving his car into a Florida church, and a parish in Weymouth, Massachusetts, where a fire charred the church door and melted the interior of the church. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number three. Hats off to CNBC. President Trump issued executive orders banning U.S. transactions with Chinese tech firms Tencent and ByteDance. Tencent owns WeChat, and ByteDance owns the video sharing app TikTok. Trump accurately stated that WeChat automatically captures the vast swaths of information from its users. This data collection threatens to allow the Chinese Communist Party access to Americans' personal and proprietary information. No, 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 no! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. 
Catholic News Pick Number Two. Hats off to the Hill. Gun sales in the country have surged in recent months amid the coronavirus pandemic, with July seeing a record number of background checks, CNN reported, citing recent data released from the FBI. Get ready, people. It's already a small war, but it'll become a full-scale civil war in November. Uh Uh-oh. We're in big trouble now. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number one. Hats off to Catholic News Agency. Pope Francis declared Sister Maria Laura Manetti, an Italian religious sister killed by three teenage girls in a satanic sacrifice, was a martyr for the Catholic faith. Oh, yeah! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholicism 101 is the segment where Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, gives you little thumbnail lessons to help you better learn and understand the Catholic faith. Here's this week's Catholicism 101. An odd way of thinking has crept into the minds of Catholics over the last 45 or 50 years, one that's decidedly not Catholic. Actually, there are several philosophies, most certainly not Catholic, that have gained ground in our thinking in recent decades, but there's one that we should all find disturbing because it has eternal implications. The thinking I'm talking about here is what happens immediately after our death, that is, the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Traditionally, we refer to only these as the last four things, but they actually imply much more, as is the case with a summary of most of the church's teaching. Just so you know where I'm going with this, let me get right to the point with a short story. Dionocrates was a little boy in Carthage, Africa, during the early years of the church. He died with a horrible cancer on his cheek at age seven. His sister, St. Perpetua, was at that time in prison during one of the church's worst persecutions around A.D. 203. When she learned of her brother's death, St. Perpetua forgot all about her own suffering and began to pray for little Dionocrates' soul. The saint had a vision where she saw her brother with many others in a dark, filthy place. His face was pale, eyes inflamed, and his cheek was still covered with the cancer. She saw that he suffered greatly and was tormented with a terrible thirst. Next to him was a large basin of water, but the edge of it was too high for him to reach it. Touched by these sufferings, St. Perpetua prayed for Dinocrates with even greater fervor. Several days later, she had another vision of her brother. His body was clean, his garments white, and his face beamed with joy. That was when she realized Dinocrates had been delivered from purgatory. Upon learning of this story, my first thought was that Dinocrates was only a little seven-year-old boy. What could he possibly have done at such an early age to merit that amount of torment? His sins couldn't possibly have been all that bad. What then is it going to be like for us? My next thought was that it was cruel to do that to Dinocrates. How could an infinitely good and merciful God be so harsh on that little boy? Then it dawned on me there's a flip side to this infinitely merciful God. We tend to forget that along with being perfectly merciful, God must also be perfectly just. 
If he weren't, he'd be neurotic, thus imperfect. We have a tendency to say that God never punishes us in the next life because our sins are forgiven, but forgiving doesn't remedy the damage done. In our criminal justice system, when a person is convicted of a crime, he's sent to prison. He often has to pay financial restitution in addition to his prison time. Our constitutional concept is, when the price is paid, the punishment, then the criminal is allowed a fresh start. No judge tells a convicted felon he's forgiven and can go home without any consequences. That's nuts. However, society does forgive, which is why we don't have a death penalty for parking violations. But there's still a price to be paid. Let me put it another way. Let's say you borrow your friend's car. You're real careful while parking the car downtown next to the curb, but you somehow manage to catch another car's bumper and crease your friend's fender. You return the car and own up to the damage. You say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Your friend's also a good Catholic, so he replies, sure, I forgive you. Now you need to pay for my fender. This demonstrates the sense of justice God has given to all of us. If we, who are so imperfect, demand such simple justice, how can we expect he who has ingrained that justice into us to demand less? Purgatory is the perfect reflection of both his justice and his mercy. Without purgatory to show his mercy, the slightest sin would necessitate our condemnation to an eternal hell. Although purgatory isn't explicitly mentioned in the Bible by that name, the concept of a place of purification is certainly implied. Jesus said in Luke 12:59, I tell you, you will not get out till you have paid the very last penny. In Matthew 12:32, Christ mentions the sin for which there is no forgiveness, either in this world or in the world to come. This implies that venial sins can be forgiven in the next world. But where? Hell is eternal punishment. Nothing unclean shall enter heaven, according to Revelation 21:27, and even venial sin causes the soul to be unclean. The implication is clearly purgatory. Catholic apologist Carl Keating writes, quote, Paul tells us that at the day of judgment, each man's work will be tried. This trial happens after death. What happens if a man's work fails the test? He will be the loser and yet himself will be saved, though only as men are saved by passing through fire, according to 1 Corinthians 3.15. Now this loss, this penalty, cannot refer to consignment to hell since no one is saved there, and heaven cannot be meant since there is no suffering, fire, there. Purgatory alone explains this passage. The church has always believed in purgatory. The Bible mentions the need to pray for the dead. It is a holy and wholesome thought to pray for the dead that they may be loosed from their sins. 2 Maccabees 12.46 There are also inscriptions of prayers for the dead in the catacombs, where Christians stayed largely hidden during the great Roman persecutions of the first three centuries. Finally, we have the writings of early Christians such as Tertullian in the second century, Cyprian in the third century, and Cyril of Jerusalem, Ambrose, John Chrysostom, and Augustine in the fourth century to tell us about purgatory and the need to pray for the dead.
Our separated brethren poo-poo the idea of purgatory, and their thinking has integrated itself into our modern Catholic thought. Sacred scripture, however, supports only the Catholic notion of the reality of purgatory. Therefore, we have two very strong obligations as Catholics. The first is to live as Jesus told us to live, that is, we must become saints, according to Matthew 5.38. Our second great obligation is to pray for the dead. When a loved one dies, never say something silly like, well, he's gone on to a better place. That thinking discourages us to pray for the deceased loved one. Instead, think about poor little Denocrates trying to get a drink of water to quench his thirst and about repairing the damage to your friend's car. Then pray. Pray very hard. Do unto others, even in death, what you would have them do unto you. Howdy, hi there, friends and neighbors. This is your old pal El Monte Slim telling you to start reading Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy's weekly column in The Wander, America's oldest independent Catholic newspaper. The folks at The Wander have made a special trial subscription offer just for you Sixpackers, and it's only $39 for six months. That's only a buck and a half an issue, less than a cup of coffee. Joe has a subscription link in his show notes. So listen to your old pal El Monte Slim and subscribe today. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from Pope Leo XIII. He said, You are not to be looked upon as holding the true Catholic faith if you do not teach that the faith of Rome is to be held. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. A story is told of a French artist who was commissioned to paint the crucifixion scene for a famous church. Since he was given plenty of time, he spent more than a year working on it off and on. To model one of the figures beneath the cross, he chose a young French girl. When she came to the studio for the first time, the still incomplete picture caught her eye and her fancy. She showed so much interest and asked so many questions that it was impossible for the artist to paint her into the scene. She kept asking, Who is he? What has he done? Why does he have to suffer so? Why did they nail him to a cross? Realizing that he couldn't go on until the girl knew the entire story, he said, I'll tell you about it, but then you've got to promise to stop talking and look at me while I'm trying to paint. As briefly as possible, he told the story of the crucifixion. She hung on every word he said, and when he'd finished, in tears she asked, And did he do that for you? And did he do that for me? Yes, he replied. He did it for you and me, and for all of us, because we've all committed sin. She exclaimed, Oh, if he's done that for me, I always want to love him. And you! how you must love him because you've known the story for so long. 
For the first time, he realized how terrible sin really was and how great is the love of Jesus. We've all committed actual sin. Jesus died because he loved us. He didn't want us to suffer the consequences of our sins. And yet we don't love him nearly enough for the length of time that we've known the story. We should hate any willful thought, desire, word, action, or omission forbidden by God's law. How deeply we should love Jesus in return for what he's done for us. Help your fellow Catholic six-packers. They need to be listening to the Cantankerous Catholic, and you can help them find it better if you leave a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Leaving a review will make it easier for other Catholics to find the Cantankerous Catholic, because reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show it more often. And I thank you in advance for leaving a review. This has been the Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.